0: Hello and welcome to episode 130 of the Good Good Golf podcast. Wad Murray in the chair and navigating what promises to be more turbulent waters in this new year of 2023. We're barely two weeks into it. While it's business as usual so far, I reckon it's a safe bet that if 2022 was anything to go by, there's lots of fun, games and drama ahead. Some of that will no doubt get a mention today when we welcome women and golf editor Emma Ballard back to the pod to talk about an interesting new concept they've just launched, encouraging women to review golf courses for other women. Now, that is going to be a very interesting discussion. Emma, along in just a moment. But first, new year hello to my fellow travelers on this audio adventure, starting with Path Guru and Watch Enthusiast, Adrian Logue. Well, that's going to be a nice headstone, don't you reckon? Here lies Adrian Logue, <laughs> Path in Path Guru and Watch Enthusiast.
1: Yeah, yeah. He lived like, he's, like he died with, with dignity or
0: lack of you, dignity. You, you, <laughs> who's going to maintain the path up to the gravesite? I don't know. I, that would be, a, that oh would be eternal goodness. horror for you. I'm going to have to start
1: start <laughs> some sort of a fund or something. So there's a that. legacy. Go fund behind. me. Yeah, exactly right. uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to Emma today, our time. UK correspondent. Yeah.
0: one of our uh, UK correspondents. There's a few. Remember what happened last time with Huggy, so just I, calm I, down.
1: I think I'm going to elevate Huggy to international correspondent,
0: oh, okay. or like <laughs> just foreign correspondent. He's in Dubai yeah. this week, so that's probably yeah. uh, worthwhile. Enough out of you. From Golf Australia Magazine, deputy editor and digital person in charge of almost everything. Is that what's on your business card?
2: Oh, actually, my business card doesn't have a title because it
0: can't be nailed down. <laughs> do you have a business card? Yeah, I think, think so. Pretty rare in 2023, aren't they, I think? Anyway, Jimmy Jimmy Emanuel. Just back from holidays, no doubt straining at the bit to rip into 2023, Jimmy.
2: Yeah, I'd just like to add something else to Logue's headstone which would be the millstone on you and Porter's neck as a teammate.
0: <laughs> Is that right?
2: I've returned from holiday to go on another gala day and watched Logue do everything he can to pull down the best golfer in the group and nearly successfully do it. <laughs> and win, nonetheless.
0: Uh, <laughs> it
2: must be a hollow victory I when you, contributed tri- when on you contribute multiple only holes. when you contribute only watches to the group.
0: Uh, no. Contributed multiple holes. Did you give him watches. I heard that. You yeah. gave everybody yeah. a watch. It was very, cute. A... Yeah, it was very, very cute. Very cute. <laughs> yeah. Very cute. Enough about all of that. Nobody's interested in that. Let's meet today's guest. Emma Ballard is no stranger to the Good Good podcast. Not only has she been a guest twice before, but she often says nice things about us on Twitter. And Emma, that is the right way to do life. Congratulations. You're doing it all. Good. Welcome.
3: Happy New Year. New year to you all, too. I mean, to be fair, with, with the old um, Spotify, it's it's actually genuine because I can actually pull it up and say that it's one of my favorite podcasts. You know, ah. you know and it gives you the review. Yep. So I'm not just saying it, it actually is like, you know, statistically there, too.
0: Well, I hope not. I'm not sure whether that reflects on you or us. <laughs> let's, just, <laughs> let's just leave that there. Uh, golf course reviews by women for women. Do we need that? What's that about?
3: Well, Yeah, I mean, we'll dive straight in. We're basically, about um, April time last year, we were having just a team meeting amongst us at Women in Golf and the thought came to us all, like, what what can we do? What space is there for us to move into? Because, you know, we are really just quite a small entity over here in the UK. And um, we got talking about golf course reviews and how it's very difficult for us as women to find honest reviews that help us out if you want to go and find a golf club to play at. So, you know, there are online communities where you can have a chat, ask people as a, people's advice and things like that. We thought, what about a TripAdvisor for golf for women? Um, and that's sort of where the initial thing started. And then, I mean, that's pretty much where I sort of, you know, worked with everyone else in the team to sort of bring it all together. But from an actual website point of view, obviously we have a web developer who brought that all together. Um, and it does, it just works very much like TripAdvisor. Um, you're able to leave a you know a detailed review but also we have some specific questions relating to women Um, and also obviously as we're saying for uh, sorry by women for women Women, Um, the idea obviously is it is women reviewing it so that we know you know there is a difference I don't know I mean probably my experience of playing a course will always be different to a guy's just because I'm playing first and foremost from a different Mm tee let alone anything else taken involved.
0: We'll come to some more of that in depth in a moment. The one, the one word I was particularly interested in there was honest. It's a tough thing, golf course reviewing is, and this is, a, and particularly when you're in the publishing business as well. So, as an entity, you deal with golf courses; it's a part of your business. Honesty doesn't always sell <laughs> well, does it? And what do you mean when you say honest? Is that different for women and what they get from course reviews? Because all of us here have written and read course reviews. Are we doing and thinking about it differently than women?
3: Oh no, I, I don't know. I think everyone. Or I'd like to think everyone's honest with their reviews, but I just, I do just think it's actually it's coming from a women's perspective that's that's the, the key here is the fact that you know if you're playing the course off the forward tees, you know what what was your experience, and then very minor. Th- we well, say minor things are actually major things. Are, you know, when we put an article out about toilets on golf courses and you know halfway huts and things like that, it actually gets so much discussion because. From a woman's perspective, again, um, you know, a, a toilet halfway around the course is is almost essential for a lot of women. Um, it stops, you know, they, if there isn't that sort of facility, then they might not drink as much. And then the, the performance declines and all of these sort of things um, happen. Um, so it's little things like that. It's, you know, what's in the pro shop? You know, when I want to go in, is there any clothing for women in there? Um, all I can sort of relate this to is the fact that we actually host our own events as well throughout the year. And one of the events we've done a couple of years in a row is a place where they have an amazing shop with loads of women's clothing, golf clothing in it. Now, we're actually almost going to that venue, not just for the golf course. We're going there because we know the women are going to absolutely love the golf shop because there's going to be loads of stuff to do. And actually, as a female golfer in the UK... That's not really an option. We'd have to do a lot of our shopping online because it doesn't really exist in a lot of golf clubs. So it's little things like that. It goes beyond just just the sort of the actual course itself.
0: Yeah, that, that, well, that was the sense I was getting. I guess, and that's what I'm coming to. So the golf experience for women, logue, like, is it that much different? Do you reckon for us blokes? Hard for us blokes because we don't live that experience. Do we? I never mm-hmm. think about the clothing in the pro shop. No, no, and, and well, I guess I uh, I have to either. <laughs> a lot, a lot of the <laughs> you built-in... can tell you don't think about the clothing. Oh. oh, pro shop. oh. It was harsh, wasn't it? Yeah, fair but harsh.
1: Um, the uh, uh, the built experience and a lot of processes and all sorts of things, not just golf, are, are designed around men, um, like, uh,
0: by men, by, for <laughs> men. That, that, that's right.
1: That's right. And uh, you know, there's hundreds of years of of having that uh, grooved into golf, and uh, I think little things like that, this, nudge it in a different direction where. Uh, you know, course would hopefully be putting their hand up to be reviewed by women for women, mm-hmm. and take great interest in what their result is, uh, because it's going to be an obvious area where they can spend a bit of time to make improvements. Because there's a huge market there that's uh, there's a bit of a sleeping giant in world golf. Oh, well, we've been here. <laughs> and if, before, you can make, yeah. if you can accommodate <laughs> this big market, there's uh, you know,
0: it, it makes financial sense. To, an industry that to not invite only, reviews, yeah, in. that not only ignores but deliberately. <laughs> deliberately uh, treats poorly 50% of the population is an industry that's not doing its best effort. Jim, do you play golf with many women? Yeah, yeah, I do. And do you get any sort of feedback or sense that they're having a different experience to us? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I
2: remember being a member of a golf club as a young man where the locker room for the men was one of the highlights for every person who would come to visit and the women's locker room was unable to be found. Oh, really? <laughs> like, it was, it was difficult to locate. So, it's a completely different experience, and taking people there to play, and, you know, the options of what you do afterwards and everything like that are completely limited. But, yeah, I mean, play a fair bit of golf with women, but also cover more and more women's golf or more and more mixed golf, and you notice the clubs that do a better job of it with exactly like what Emma's saying, things like toilets halfway around and whatever, um, you know, that would that a genuine concern, you, you're going out there and you're going to be uncomfortable with something that's a necessity of, hum- of being a human. So, um, yeah, I, I I do notice that you do get a little bit of feedback. You get a lot, though, I think of women who play a lot of golf who have grown up around golf who are so used to not having the as good an experience as a man would, so they don't complain or they don't want to make mention of it. Become their norm, it, That's right, it's become their norm. So I uh, don't want to be a person who, you know, kicks up a stink over something like that, which is – um, unfortunate because we have to start somewhere to fix those sorts of things. But yeah, I think it's like like Log says. I mean, I I haven't had that experience, so I can't I can't delve into it too much. But every every person I've played with definitely notice notice it's different for them, and and also
0: mentions it and how different an experience it is. Emma, every time we have one of these discussions, I come back to the same question: Why do women bother with golf? Why do you persevere? <laughs> says something about the game, doesn't it? Uh, that for all of that that Jimmy's just laid out, all of which is true, the game still has enough appeal that women continue—not in as many numbers as perhaps they might—but women continue to stick with it and keep playing.
3: Um, I always, you know, me—I've—I've—I've I've, I've always think it gets a bit of a bad press because you do find nowadays when when women do take up golf, it's—you know—it's something. Once they get into it, they absolutely love it, and I think a lot of the problems that we find at golf courses tend to be more so in in the clubhouse and attitude and that side of things. But that can sometimes just be the other women members and things like that. So you can't always blame it on the guys. I think, I don't know, there's so much more to it. I think with, from a women's perspective, it's not actually the course that puts them off. It's none of those things putting people off. I just think that a lot of women just have never tried golf. So then they don't know what it's actually like. So I don't know, it's not, it's not, this whole project is not trying to be sort of negative, it's meant to be a positive thing, because I think, you know, a lot of golf courses have so much to offer that we just, we don't know about. I mean, I'm seeing, okay, we're we're, we're sort of fledgling thing at the moment, you know, the odd review that's coming in at the moment, it's just really interesting to see someone else's perspective on the course that I might not have played before. Um you know, and obviously there's so many different types of courses and and all those sorts of different things as well. But, you know, our, our hope is it's just going to be a helpful tool um, to, for other women to, to use sort of going forward. If we were to set up something like this, Log, some sort of a
0: trip advisor for golf courses, it would be all about architecture, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> There'd be nothing about pro Shop, so we yeah. leave out the rest of the experiences. I think we just accept that we're not that interested in that. It's the architecture.
1: That'd that be a part sense. of it, yeah. And I think it's interesting to go through yeah, the life. form here hmm. uh, that Emma's set up yep. and the questions that go through it are being asked. They
3: can you can, you can, you can give me feedback. To be honest, yeah. oh, uh, oh
1: he he, like, will. he will. <laughs> oh, you'll get feedback. Maybe I'll <laughs> I'm, maybe I'll mansplain a, a few things to you here, <laughs> Emma, about uh, how to, how you should be doing this. Um, yeah, so, so submit a review. There's an overall rating uh, with stars. Uh, I, I like to come up with some sort of quirky rating system, Emma. I think you should like come up with some sort of Quirky symbol instead of
0: stars, but you know. well, what do you got in mind? You can't just throw out problems; you got to have solutions. Flags?
3: We're we talking about flags. Or, I think like, it should be custom,
0: custom, custom to every golf course. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: yeah. I look. Do you have some spare time? Maybe that's, maybe that's, that's going to create some extra for work for you. I, look, you know, that's not my problem. That's your that's your problem. I'm just giving you the ideas. <laughs> you, know, you can go ahead. and I'm just telling you how that. to win. up <laughs> to <so laughs> yeah. you to do the hard work. <laughs> right. uh, so you're asking for a title for the review? That's that's great. Yep. And your review goes straight into the reviews. Some stand stuff there. Yeah. Are the T's slope-rated for women? Absolutely. Great question. Um, and Isn't that There's no excuse now for clubs not to have all of their T's rated for both genders. Um, but, and I say both genders because that's inherent in the handicap system. Non-binary?
0: Are you excluding people there like?
1: The, the handicap system- it Allows is, for non-binary? No. It's, it's gendered. Oh, right. The handicap system is gendered for that. Um, and uh, so, but yeah, still there's no excuse not to have both genders represented, rated, slide, rated yep. for every single tee. So men can play off the forward tees, women can play off the back tees. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's a very good question. Uh, are there on-course toilet facilities? We've been over that.
0: It's, sorry, it's a big one though. Women always talk about this. Blokes never yep. do. Women always talk about this. It's something I've never given a thought there's to. A quanti-
1: there's a quantity thing and a qualitative thing to that as well. Like, are there, What's the... No, no, it's not, it's not asked in oh, the right. thing, but uh, you know, are the toilet facilities any good? Oh, are they clean? Yeah. Right. Do the doors lock?
3: Well, I'm hoping that my, – my hope is that if you've got a question like that, that also prompts you to think about it because obviously you get that section to actually write a bit of a review as well. So yeah. um, the idea is also to sort of prompt people to think about what they're saying when they're going through it. And actually, as you said, I've seen a few that have come in that where, where they've answered don't know, so they actually haven't even experienced whether there's a ladies' locker room or whatever it might be. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. Yep. Back, back to the teas.
1: Uh, one thing, that an observation I've got is that a lot of forward teas are just an afterthought.
0: Yes, well, oh, yeah, we've absolutely. talked about this plenty of times. Yeah. But yes, true. Oh. What do you do about that? But, There's a retro. Well, I mean, issue about that, isn't there, Emma?
3: Well, I was going to say that actually, if, of the emails I've received since we've launched this. Um, the, the one I one I did receive was someone who is into the sort of golf course architecture side of thing things. And she's just saying, you know, so many golf courses are just not set up for women properly. And actually that's more of an issue. And this is something that you're going to need to like talk about. You need to research, you need to look into. So, I mean, as I say, I got that email over the weekend, so I need to look into it more, which I sort of knew already. I've heard so many different from different name, mainly from golf course architects and female golf course architects, that that is the issue. Um, they just—it's just—it was sort of an afterthought. It's not thought of in the right way, um, and it's really interesting when this uh, lady said that you know if you can push the T forward so that the course is paying five thousand and something for her, she's in her sixties, she can still score really well because she should be you know like a ten handicap. But because of where the T is, it's not not actually that good for her, and she's scoring really badly, and her handicap is going up and up. Um, so you know, do we don't even factor necessarily older age in women. You know, do women need a forward forward T? You know that that's not even been thought of. I mean, they just play, we just you know just go and play off this forward T and, and just assume that's yeah. good for it, for us. But that's good for me in my age. But is that still good for someone who's seventy five? Or, or a, a,
0: a, similarly, is it good for Hannah Holden?
3: <laughs> off well, a plus so, handicap. That's just- I mean, that's that. that I always had had her in mind as well when you think yeah. about the slope rating yeah. of tees, um, because you know she probably isn't always going to play off that forward tee. She'd want to play off. Well, I guess let's call it yellow, for example. And most of the mm-hmm. courses are still playing in that sort of yellow or white tee, you know. And actually, you know, in the, in this in well, in England, I know that you know they are pushing to get them all rated, but it's a really slow process because you have to have a real reason. To want to have especially the white tees but the, the yellow tees rated for women at uh, clubs um but obviously the guys get it reasonably easy because they just go and select rate all the tees for guys and 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 the women are just left with maybe one or maybe two tees that they can play from mm-hmm. uh, and these really good female golfers like hannah um you know some clubs she goes to and she have to just play off that forward t because that's all that's the only option um so again I, I don't think we've ever even investigated that sort of thing you know guys have well, I think, in our, again, clubs around here, it's like a green tea, which can be sort of similar to the ladies' tea. And that's a forward, you know, older men's tea. Mm. But we don't have a forward older women's tea or, you know, equivalent. Um, so, you know, we're sort of handicapping women at sort of all sorts of different stages of, of their games.
0: And sending messages that just aren't
3: friendly or positive or nice to gender. When you
0: split teas by gender, that, A, it makes no sense. And, B, mm-hmm. there's you attach stigma to... You know, and and all of us have been guilty of it, me included. Oh, why don't you go play from the women's tee to a bloke? It's this Mm -hmm. sort of put-down idea. Why don't we just get rid of the whole notion of gendered slope ratings and tees completely low? They're they're two different things. So tees are,
1: yeah, you should play from, the tees are not gendered. You should play from the tees of your ability. Ratings are gendered. So, like, there's two ratings for each tee. So, and, and that's the way you get equity for, you know, Players mixed with mixed different, yeah, for mixed competitions, yeah.
3: yeah. That there was that guy. There was the guy in Australia that actually left his club, yeah, because they they made the tees. Well, let's let's for the argument's sake, gender neutral, but they slate rated them all and changed the colours, and he was so miffed, he, he left.
0: Yeah, and let's be honest, is that, is that a bad outcome <laughs> for, for the game or the club? No, <laughs> no I mean no, that, honestly, that. I, mean, um, I wrote I wrote a story
3: about it. I wrote a story about it. I just couldn't believe that someone would be that miffed. About the basically the, all that happened was the, the tee changed mm-hmm. colour. It yeah. Nothing actually changed more than that, really. And he was so miffed, he left. Well, get, get people started on It's
2: always been like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get people started on tattoos, that's right. Can't go and play golf clubs I grew up at. But the, uh, the idea of an afterthought for a forward tee makes often things more difficult for like some of the women that Emma's talking about. I've played with a couple of people and the forward tee is just placed there so that it's at a certain yardage. Yes. It might be out of the road of where the back tee is so that the, someone's not standing there. So when you're hitting over, it might be um, in the road because of whatever. And it completely changes the dynamic of a hole. And you're playing with a woman who's hitting the golf ball well, but it's completely changed the strategy and it, it requires a carry that shouldn't be there and it's not the way that an architect would set it up. They're hitting the golf ball well and, to, and new to the game and saying, oh, I'm playing so badly. It's like, no, this tee, the tee where they are. Have been set up so badly that you have no opportunity to play well if you don't know exactly you know where to hit it exactly like that. Rather than okay, let's start with a forward tee and work back so that they all work. I was walking around with Mike Clayton at the Sandon Invitational, and more than once we're walking through and we're standing there. And he goes, "Wouldn't this be a great forward tee just here?" No, not many other people are thinking that way. Of wouldn't this be a great forward tee? Most people are going playing a golf course. Wouldn't it be cool to have a back tee up there? <laughs>
0: right <laughs> most people in golf sadly yeah. being blokes i mean broadly uh, broadly i think you could say about just about every facet of golf golf courses golf facilities golf management the way the game is structured women have not been taken into consideration and that that's not an it's not a difficult fix it doesn't impact in any way on the experience of blokes have the bloke who left his club emma because he didn't like what had happened with the tees. In all honesty, the less of those people we had in golf, the better off the game would be. Mm. Same with the people who – I wrote a story about the the untucked shirt thing the other week Mm. for uh, the MAG online. And one of the comments there – I occasionally go and read the Facebook comments because I hate myself and Mm. I I like some support in that. So do the comments. And I was going to say, I get get plenty of people agreeing with that. Somebody there complained about – Rob (laughs) Morrie. That's right. Being uh, disappointed that his club had now allowed – tattoos to show beyond the elbow or some such nonsense. You got any theories? What's that about? Why does the way somebody else looks have any impact on someone else's golf experience?
3: I've never understood that, to be honest. I didn't even know tattoos was an issue until recently when I saw a couple of articles about it. Um, It's just, I just don't see... You know, as we've always talked about, you know, the old guys, and this is going to be very stereotypical, but the old guys in the golf club are normally wearing wearing very tattered jumpers and stuff like that, and it, you know, because it's the actual, you know, it's the polo shirt and everything, then it, then that's acceptable. But if you you know came in, if I came with a with a gym top on, all of a sudden I'm not I'm not uh, wearing the right sort of gear, so. I've never understood that I probably get a little bit mad at the number of stories and chats and things there are around like golf course like golf clothing on the course I, I've just never really understood why it needs to be an issue as long as you're comfortable I mean you we talk about jeans jeans is a thing isn't it um you know I probably wouldn't pe- play in a pair of jeans because they're just not really as comfortable to play golf in but there's nothing wrong with playing them if someone else wants to do it I just I don't really pay attention to anyone else apart from the group I'm playing with to be honest unless someone's you know coming up behind and needs to play through or something Mm. like that so from my point of view i've never seen it as an issue i think it i think it tends to be one of those ones that we like to keep playing out as a real massive issue i don't think it's as big personally don't think it's as big an issue as we as we feel because i think a lot of clubs have relaxed a lot a lot especially since covid um and so i don't think it's as and also you just see all the brands now though even even footjoyer producing not this is one but even footjoyer producing hoodies and things like that so you know i just yeah i don't know it's one of those ones that gets me sort of a bit mad that we sort of still trudge over it but you can't believe it and the guy that we said that left the course yeah i do think that those sorts of people are really in the i do think they're in the minority because we hear because we hear so many stories about them it seems like it's a massive issue with lots and lots of lots and lots of golfers but i think We'd find that in a in a health club, we'd find it at a tennis club, we'd find it at a, you know any sort of club based sport. You know, there's going to be some idiots that we won't that won't they won't let us uh, just be ourselves. I think that idea of
2: how does it affect you yeah, if someone absolutely. is. I remember having an argument with someone about it about dress codes and stuff like that. And they said, "Oh, you know, when I go out to dinner or whatever, I know I'm walking on the best dressed person in the room." I said, "Well, you can sit at the table next to me and." Look, in a tuxedo and think you look great and i can wear my clothes and think i look great my meal doesn't taste any worse because you're wearing a tuxedo well, just i don't understand how that transitions to golf and how do you have you a know, top hat as well oh, obviously <laughs> a yeah, like emma's right it's it's and so few clubs but it's still some and it just boggles the mind that those sort of things exist um but with that guy who's left his club it's obviously a club that's making the right moves mm. by switching to non-gendered tea. So a guy who has that opinion, they probably weren't, too fussed that he decided to go somewhere else. Every one of him lost, they might pick hmm. up
0: three others. I've always liked Sandy Jamison's take on the whole dress code issue, which is go and stand outside the Chadston Shopping Centre in Melbourne, which might be the biggest shopping centre in the Southern Hemisphere, and tell the people who wouldn't be allowed on a golf course that they're not allowed in. Mm-hmm. See what sort of reaction you get yeah. and how many people are being locked out of the shopping centre. It would be a pretty pretty quick education in just how silly... Even just, Now, is the collared shirt, like you might know, the whole notion of a collared shirt, is that not a class distinction thing yeah, from several centuries ago? Uh, I it don't is. know why you think I might know that, but... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, but it, it is. You come it's, across you as intelligent, it? which is different <laughs> to being intelligent, but you come across as intelligent, yeah. so I thought okay. you. You're
2: like Yeah, it was a a, a way of distinguishing, distinguishing. classes, classes yeah. by if you had a collar, you were upper class, and if you didn't, you know, you had like a granddad collar button sort of thing and whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's it's rooted in class mm. division, and that's unbelievable. It's I, not
0: ongoing one, you Remember when Tiger first started wearing with the mock neck, the yeah. and yeah. then- Kids would turn up at courses and get told they couldn't play. Yeah, when well,
2: we- Nike started selling them in pro shops, in off-course shops, and you'd buy it at a golf shop and you couldn't wear it to go to a golf course. I mean, there's. I, I spend a lot of my time with people who don't play golf and aren't interested in golf outside of work because, you know, I can't hang out with you guys all the time. I go mad. But uh, trying to explain that a stuff. win-win. Trying to explain that stuff to <laughs> people my age, people younger than me, to explain to someone that – you know places I grew up spending my entire childhood and adolescence at you know playing and and even in some cases representing that I can no longer go back and play as I would at another golf course because I have tattoos on my forearms that is is unfathomable to people of
0: course it's unfathomable <laughs> it's absolutely like, absurd. It, it's it, it is, is absurd bizarre. like. It is.
2: You know, someone might not like tattoos or not, might not like my tattoos, but how that affects anything like that. Like, my old man doesn't like him. It doesn't mean he doesn't let me go to his house for dinner. One
0: like it, One day. Well, <laughs> it might change. Yeah.
1: There's, um uh, at the time of this recording, uh, so this would probably be gone by the time people are listening to this, but Paige Sporanik has an Instagram story where she describes a few stories of her being rejected from golf courses and the, and i think it's really worth because of like, her clothing a lot, yeah a lot of her content obviously is ent- an entertainment but it's definitely worth listening to her when she's talking about this stuff because she's a lightning rod for mm. this sort of thing and the college shirt thing she described at a time when she was playing a course was she had, it was very cold and she had a turtleneck and then a sweater and then a rain jacket and so like she was she had three layers of clothing on and they came and wanted to know whether she had a collared shirt on under all of that, because that was their dress rules. That she was required to have a collared shirt wow. and they, under a turtleneck, a sweater, and a rain jacket.
0: For, for all the for all the you know right leaning economic people, will, will the market sort that out, Emma? Is that what you were saying before? These are a minority of people and the market will just sort that out. People who hold those views will just leave clubs and the market will sort this out for us. Is it just generational? we just need to wait? I,
3: I don't know. I don't know. I think it, it sort of changes. I keep thinking it will sort of be a generational thing, but I think as we all get older, we all get a little more, bit more cantankerous about certain things. You never know. We might all get older and decide that, you know, the polo shirt is a must. I don't know. But I, I as I say... Maybe it's just my experiences. I've been quite lucky with a lot of the times when I've played. I've just, I've not had those issues. And I don't, I personally believe that women don't have as many issues, actually. I think we're quite lucky. I think it's guys that tend to get it more harshly with regards to the, you know, let's let's not even start sock debates, but sock colours and all that sort of stuff. You know, we can turn up with, you know, what I would call gym socks on and, and you know, like ankle socks and stuff and, and, and you wouldn't get in any trouble. So I do think women get it a lot easier, whether it be... From tour level all the way down to club level, so Sh- I, I shirt don't out know, as well. But- shirt
1: out is completely acceptable for, for women. women. Yeah, yeah. no sleeves, yeah.
0: Mm. acceptable.
3: Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. You can almost get away a lot of the time. Not obviously everywhere, I do understand, but you know, even collarless it's like gym, you know, a more like sort of gym type wear. You know, obviously leggings are a big deal deal for women nowadays. A lot of people like to wear leggings, whether they be thermal ones or sort of gym type leggings. I mean, they're they're big. Adidas now have a whole range of them um, and things like that. So. You know, it's, it's almost anything goes, and especially when you look at the girls on tour. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're just setting the standard for what what you can what you can wear. Um, but I do, as I say, I do think we get it easier as women. I'm gonna so, s- maybe I should have had that as
2: a question. I, I think that I agree with that. When <laughs> men's golf, a guy wearing jogger pants is like outrageous. He's just got a slightly cuffed bottom of his pant. Like, that's not really that's that true.
3: risque. Ankle. No. I've never Good seen, God. I've never, se- the, the the response to those trousers and you're just like, they're just trousers. Yeah. But then Georgia Hall wears exactly the same trousers with a cuff bottom jogger and no one says anything. No. doesn't no. matter. And it's just like, oh, my God, I can't believe a man has worn the cup's bottom joggers I'm on gonna, the golf course.
0: I'm going to snip that bit out, Emma, where you said that you think women have got it easier than men in golf, and that's the only part of this episode we're going to publish. And that's <laughs> gonna, that'll be definitive for all those who…
3: Come on. That, come on. We can't… Well, I just think we always, we're always always so negative that's around women's true. golf. That's yeah. very always true. Always so yes. negative. Yeah. That is one win. We do have the win on the clothing front, I have to say. Yes. I do think we do over men. It is really golf. worth – oh, that's, that's a great it. segue to
1: Be,
0: Emma. Well,
3: to,
1: yes. I'm going to continue Let's on with this form. Let's go back to where we
0: started, yes. Um,
1: where the next question is, does the pro shop stock clothes and products for women? And the options don't know, yes, no. Uh, I've, one thing I've observed at my own golf club is that the pro shop is like two-thirds women's clothing. And I, I'm guessing that's because it, it sells. And the, uh,
0: Look, stereotypically, I would imagine women
3: buy more than men, Emma. Do you know if that's true?
0: Women are more likely to buy clothes than blokes. I'm not a clothes shopper at all, but I suspect... Well,
3: we, we go, we'll go by stereotypes, so I don't get myself into too much trouble. Well, I might even get myself into trouble, I don't know. But I would say the way that... Well, I actually would say that women quite like a bargain. We like to get good deal. So, you know, if you're going to go into a shop, you want to have quite a lot of variety and then also the ability to try stuff on, potentially, that side of things. And I don't mean to be mean to men in any way but generally speaking if a guy needs to go and get an outfit in a golf shop which is generally probably not going to happen because obviously a lot of stuff is quite expensive but you just like here's a black shirt there's a pair of trousers off we go we're ready done whereas women we tend to sort of have a bit of a deliberation think about it and I'm being very stereotypical there because not, that's not every single woman's going to be like that but um yeah and it's that touch and feel to be able to see it and actually look at it look at the material what's the material like um and things like that which we you just don't get from online shopping, so you know, from, from a woman's perspective, to have it actually in the pro shop, um, is actually in this country quite a luxury in a lot of places. So, Jimmy, you've worked that's why we sh- asked the question. Yeah, you've worked in pro shops. Is
0: mm-hmm. that generally amongst the skill set of people running pro shops broadly <laughs> across the golf industry and knowledge about fashion and somewhere to change and all those things that Emma's doing? None of that's actually golf related, is it? That's about fashion.
2: No, uh, more and more, I would say yes. Um, the diversification of skill set of people who run and work in, in golf shops is getting better as I think we attract more people into the industry with different backgrounds in terms of in every single way. But no, uh, you know, clothing is a la- was always a last thought for so many people because you looked at how the golf pro dressed and you could tell it was a last thought. <laughs> like, and and a lot of the golf industry is built on ambassadorships and everything like that. So you know, it's a company looks after a guy who then stocks the gear and whatever. Um, women's golf clothing and men's golf clothing. It's it's. It's difficult when you are running a shop, you buy things in indents, you know, months in advance and you've got to have all this sort of stuff. So, it is hard, but when done well, it can be a very lucrative part of your business. So, there should be a focus on that being an important part of every pro shop. Yeah. You know, I, I remember working in some shops 15 years ago and, you know, it was run by men, owned by men and all pretty much all the staff were men, but these guys... I was impressed by the fact they sought out a woman to come in and work and to merchandise the shop of, as a whole, but particularly the clothing for the men and the women and talk about things like change rooms and all that sort of stuff and, and make it more uh, comfortable but also more conducive to buying with options and with you know, assistance that could help. Um, and I think a great example of that is uh, Logan, my regular golf partner and friend Matt Burns at Angus and Grace Go Golfing. He and I. I spend. Did he pay of, for that? No.
0: Did you just give him an ad then?
2: No. No. <laughs> is that a free ad? <laughs> That's, he. He and I. I spend a lot of time in his shop because it's a good place to just hang out, and I go there sometimes and sit and work. But he talks about how important it is to him to get his women's ranges right, and he's he's got a fashion background and plays golf, so he's a different sort of element. But to get it right, and it's not just making a women's version of his men's clothes; it's making you know, specifically cut and and coloured and all this sort of stuff that he knows full well exactly what Emma's talking about, that uh, a woman might come in to buy her husband, father, boyfriend, whatever, a shirt for his birthday, that if he has his stuff well-designed, well-stocked and a comfortable environment, he's going to sell more clothes for her than he is for him. Mm. So that is such an important part of doing it properly um, that I've been sitting there and you know, I, you know, I remember a mum coming in who lived overseas but had heard about the shop, brought her son in to buy him some clothes and then suddenly went, oh, actually, you've picked your clothes so you can go off for a walk. I'm going to spend some time here and buy some stuff. So you have to do it well. You can't rely on the fact that what Emma's saying is, you know, you want to be able to touch it and feel it and try it on and see and consider what you might wear it with. You have to still do it
0: well yeah. to do it properly. Yeah. We get this very wrong in golf clubs, don't we, as in equipment, like, the, the notion of... Pink it and shrink it. Yeah, women's golf <laughs> yeah. equipment is such an absurdity, isn't it? It's, uh...
2: yeah. Well, I, women's equipment is getting better, as someone with an equipment background, that I'm impressed by brands not just having one women's golf ball. You know, there's options of women's golf balls, and you might. And it was often thought, I think, that oh women's golf ball was just an afterthought. Talking to companies who do that sort of stuff, it's not for a lot of them now, which is an improvement but it can always still get better. and, and yeah. But you, you talk about the clothing sort of side and this I'm sure would come into it with people talking about the pro shop with Stocked for Women in these reviews. Again, so many people who work in pro shops, run pro shops are good golfers. So when a company brings in their new range of stuff, all they want to look at is the, the better player equipment and go, how good does that driver look? I've seen John Rahm won with that driver last week. How good's that? Which is great. They don't have an appreciation for what other golfers outside of them, men, women, whatever, might like. So stocking it well for everyone is a difficult thing, but when you do it well, you get a reputation and people come to your golf shop, pro shop, whatever, even if they don't play golf there, to buy their stuff, which is why it's a great part of a review. I think that's mm. that's really good.
0: What are you trying to achieve with this, Emma? Anything in particular or just driving people to the website? What's, what's your hope for what will come back? I'm guessing... And I'm going to predict that in 12 months' time, this survey and how it works will probably look different. There'll be some other questions added and some things changed about it based on the feedback that you get. But what are you hoping this will do? Is it messages for the industry? Is it just giving women a place
3: where they can actually have a voice, where they don't traditionally? What's the the goal? I think it's a bit of everything, obviously. I mean, from our point of view, it'd be great to drive more people to the website. The hope is, obviously, you'll come and look at a review and then you might go investigate a little bit further around the site. Um, the main aim obviously is that tool. It's a tool. I'm hoping it's going to be embraced. I just really want it to be the go-to place for women to come and have a look at. And you know, at the moment it's it's very much UK focused because you know we are, as I say, quite a small company, so there's only so much we can do. Um, but the idea is obviously to grow that bigger. And there is an option there also to, you know, if the golf club that you want to review isn't there. You can submit a form to add it and we can add it on um on there quite easily. Um so I think I don't know I mean I have we were really excited to launch it also really nervous I was expecting I mean a lot of the time actually with women in particular I found in the 2 years I've been doing this role that they're very honest which is sometimes good sometimes bad so I was quite you know expecting quite a lot of um positive feedback maybe or some sort of feedback anyway but everyone's sort of just been really everyone's just been really nice about it saying this is a great feature and things like that but I know what I'm like when it comes to TripAdvisor. I'm one of those people that will go to a, a TripAdvisor type site. I'll look at the reviews and then I'll go, oh, that's good. And I'll go to that place, the, the pub or the or the restaurant. I'll enjoy it and then I'll walk away and then I don't actually leave a review. So knowing how I use review systems, that's going to be probably the biggest hurdle to get over is actually incentivizing people to want to do it. Because, they, you know, if they've been and enjoyed it you know, what what is their incentive to actually leave a review apart from the thinking, well, I hope other women are gonna like it too, or I hope other players are gonna like it too. Um so I think that's probably the one thing I hadn't thought about is that, you know, what 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 would make another woman want to review it for someone else? Mm-hmm. Um you'd hope they just have that desire to, but it's not always as I say, even I'm not very good at doing it. So Of course, um, of course. and it's my it's part of my I've, project. I've so. noticed a lot of, a lot of cafes and stuff
1: now have like on their egg, on their door or on the chalkboard or something, they have, leave a review of us on Google Maps or uh, that sort of thing, like make sure mm. to leave a Google review.
0: The other danger, of course, is, Emma, most of us are more likely to put finger to keyboard if we're not happy about something than if we are. Yeah. So that you get this... Exactly. Sometimes you get this skewed view of the world that people only bother to say something if they've got not something mm. nice to
3: say. Well... The only thing I was going to say is the only thing is, is everything has to be moderated of course. so nothing just gets published straight away so you know there would be some moderation going on and then also um, you know I think from my point of view if it, was, if it was really bad I'd probably follow it up myself I wouldn't yeah. let it go out there without finding out a bit more um, and then also there is that ability to respond so you mm-hmm. know if there is a slightly negative review there is an ability to respond and I think that's really important because as you say if if someone's had a Bad experience. I mean, I just say so far everything's been for the ones I've seen. Everyone's had reasonably positive experience, so that's it's not that. But you know, I mean, again, what what was the bad experience? What 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 was was it of somebody or was it the actual club? You know, that's the thing we really need to make sure that we're not. Just sort of letting everything fly and anything just goes out. I think we will we'll definitely be reviewing everything before it's published.
0: Otherwise, you've got Twitter, and we all know how that ends up on most. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where that sort of goes. What's, uh, the, the one thing I will say about the, the notion of bad experiences, I'm glad to hear you say that if you got a review that was particularly bad, you'd follow it up. They're actually very important, aren't they, in the scheme of things. I had a mate who had a pizza shop who didn't eat olives, and his pizzas were very popular. And he, you know, everything was fantastic. He'd been open for about six or seven months, and finally one of his customers said, I love your pizzas, but your olives are rubbish. He said, oh, I didn't know. I don't eat olives. How would I know? If you don't tell me where I'm getting it wrong, I won't know. So there's diplomatic ways to do things. But the bad feedback, for want of a better term, is almost more important than the good in many ways because it tells you the things that you need to get right so that there is right in yeah. the other thing I, that
3: you are getting right I don't, I just, I, As I say, I'm not. Quite, I've not really thought about what no. that will look like. We'll see how that goes. I think ultimately at the end of the year, it would be nice to have – a good number of reviews on there that at some point we can actually start looking at maybe doing some sort of rating system here's the best club in london or here's the best club wherever mm-hmm. um that sort of side of things as well because you know that again is there a way we can start to monetize some of these things you know from an advertising point of view as well from from our point of view we are a business so you know we're trying to look at different ways to you know but as i say add value as yes. well because we do feel like something that you know that isn't out there, especially in the UK anyway. We've not noticed it, out here
0: What has been the feedback, if any, as yet, from clubs, as you've mentioned to in this idea that you've had? You've obviously approached them because each one that's that I can see so far has their sort of PR take at the top of this is what they say about the course and then below is where you leave the review. What's been the response there? Uh, and I imagine that as this goes on, assuming that it gets the sort of response that I hope it does and I'm sure you do too, this is a fabulous way to encourage clubs and, in fact, lead clubs and tell clubs, What are the things that women want that perhaps they don't have to improve their own facility and encourage them to make it almost a more competitive market for who can be the best club for women golfers in London or Ireland or wherever it might be?
3: Yeah, I think um, the response so far, is, as I say, because everything's been really yeah. positive, it's it, that's the way it is. I think probably the main feedback is there isn't enough clubs on there to review because mm-hmm. um, we've sort of done it in a manual manual process. Um, we're actually, obviously, because we only launched on Friday, we wanted to just give it a few days to bed in. We, had, we do have a membership part of the website and we'd actually, let's say, let's call it beta testing, but we'd sort of tested it with them before actually officially launching it, so we did receive some feedback that way as well um but as I say, it's been a bit of an odd one. I expected more people to say, "Oh did you not think about asking that question or did you not think this would work and and I haven't had that feedback yet, so I think we're probably just a little bit too early early stages to sort of know if it's you know going to function the way it where it should um so it's sort of a, an unknown at the minute but yeah the golf no golf clubs have been negative so far that's all I can say so um, you know, I think you know if you've got a good product, you're going to be happy for people to review it. Yeah, of course. Um, hmm. that, that's that's my thoughts anyway.
1: It's a tricky thing presenting a form like this in an online context. You want to have very little friction to fill it out, so you want.
3: Yeah, you don't like, want it to take too long. There's, yeah,
1: there's that real balance between trying to have questions that uh, don't take up too much time and you don't have to think about too much and also asking mm. questions that extract a lot of information and yeah. and produce a meaningful a, sort of thing that you can publish.
3: I was going to say we had a whole A4 page to start. With. Yeah, <laughs> We were like, yeah, I think that's a little bit long. I <laughs> don't think anyone's going to fill that one in. So we had to cut it down a lot. So um, that was the only thing. We wanted to ask about the actual course layout and things like that, but we just decided it was too much to do that.
0: Brings us neatly to something that do on well, to ask First of all, back to this notion of um, clubs and the thing growing. Outside of the UK, we don't all live in the UK, Emma, and I know that your hope is for uh, feedback to come from beyond the UK. We have some women who listen to us here in Australia, I think, so we'd fully encourage them to go and, in fact, encourage the blokes to go and have a look at this as well on the, the Women in Golf website. How can that manifest? How can, if I'm a woman here in Australia and I want to have a review of a golf club here in Australia
3: because I think it's fantastic and they do wonderful things, how am
0: I going to get it on here? How's that going to happen?
3: Or America, well, I, yeah or I said, actually, actually, I was going to say, interestingly, I actually had someone from Canada yesterday message saying that she wants to put some golf course reviews from Canada while it's all shut down over there over winter. Um, so as I said before, yeah, there's this submitter form probably is the easiest way, because at the moment, unless, I mean, we need to go around probably all the national governing bodies and things like that and try and get lists that we can actually, you know, manufacture all the information ourselves, but it is just such a lengthy process, so... The easiest way probably is to submit the course. But the one thing I noticed today is it's very UK focused. It says like postcode and all this sort of stuff and, you know, county and things like that, which is obviously very UK focused when it comes to the address and things. So, um, again, we're going to have to look at that slight sign up form um, to make it more global. Um but again, it's it's we've got a, a guy, a web developer, who'll be literally manually uploading all this stuff. So he must hate you, Emma. Crazy. He must literally hate you sometimes when you come up with ideas like that. I think this. so. Well, I definitely couldn't do it myself, <laughs> no. so we had to we had to get some help in to do that side of things. But, well, make sure it um, gets the,
1: the custom rating per
0: I <laughs> <then go laughs> Make that his job.
3: Yep. You've got to change. Wait, I just thought I think stars is just the thing. You know, people don't understand a star rating, don't they? And we use star ratings for reviews on other parts of the website. As well, so some just, uh, some
1: courses you might want to rate them he's been on about water fountain or he's been thinking some about this, yeah. Yeah. azalea bushes or something like that. I don't. Know. That's, this is what if this is it's appropriate is, for the course.
2: This is the person who uses this concept in his movie reviews. <laughs> so when you only write, write one thing a month, yeah. you've got all the time oh. in the world to think yeah. of different <laughs> ridiculous ways of rating something and still manage to
0: get it in late. Yeah, and still
2: be <laughs> and still be the one. We're going. So when are we going to see that? <laughs> yeah. As opposed to the rest of us, people like Emma and I who actually work mm. in golf, you know, and working a, media, a, a working media, control, yeah, working, and a, and a non-stop, you know, and you just need a consistent thing. It's uh, yeah,
3: yeah. I'm I'm, just- I'm 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 happy for anyone to give us feedback. It doesn't just have to be women giving us feedback, no. but it obviously just as long as it's it not low. for them. Yeah, indeed. Brought- no, I like I like I like the feedback. I just think that maybe we're sticking on the stars thing a bit too much. <laughs> I, I must say, while it is <laughs> while it is UK focused, it
2: definitely worth going to have a look because when you click around, you can see all the funny names of places in the UK that I always enjoy doing that. <laughs> mm. re- I really well, that, enjoy and
3: that. that and I was going to say, and that That's works well. We did have one of the feedbacks. Uh, one of the early feedback I had was the fact that it was a lady in the states, and she said, oh, "I'm planning to come over to the UK to." on a golf holiday, this will be great because then I can check out some of the places I might like to play that I might never have thought of playing before. So there's that mm. side of things of in, in my is my, also my hope. So the travelling golfer might also find it useful.
0: Well, you're not reinventing the wheel, are you? The notion of golf course reviews is no. a huge part of the internet ever since the internet began to exist. And even prior to that, you had books and magazines and Golf Australia magazine. There's not a year goes by where there's not some sort of golf course ranking or rating mm-hmm. system. It's a huge area of interest. It's just that Women haven't been locked out of it, but there's you couldn't make the case that they were well, considered as part of it either.
3: Well, I was gonna say what's really interesting is we've just had one by one of um, one of the golf publications over here. It's done the top I think it's top one hundred or top two hundred. Um and um one of my Twitter followers said, Can you can you use your journalism skills, investigating journalism skills to find out who the panel was? Was there a woman on the panel? Um And it wasn't very difficult. It literally says on the front page of it whether they are. But it was. It was a. It was. It was a whole group of men, which is not a problem. But that. So then, would you say or could you argue? Well, is that relevant to me? Obviously, then they're only obviously rating pretty much. Well, I think they're rating more than just the course. But again, how relevant is that to women? Do women? Would women rate it in the same way? And that's it. It's just an interesting fact. If you had one woman on that panel and looking at the way they've got obviously a scoring system to do it or however they do it, you know, it would have been really interesting just to see how that would have played out. And obviously, again, it depends on, you know, if Hannah Holden was reviewing it and I was reviewing it and I'm a sort of mid-high handicapper to her, you know, plus three or whatever she is. So, you know, again, our two experiences are completely different, but we're both women. Um, So, yeah, that's the sort of thing that's sort of, that's why we think this is a bit different Mm. because we are trying to focus it more than just having it from just from a guy's point of view. Our, our top 100 panel for the – well, panels because there's a separate one for the
2: public access for the magazine, both have women on them and it's a very big focus of trying to get more. Mm. Um, we don't outline it. We list who the panel are but we don't have some gender not next to them so people know who they are. But um, massive part of what we try and do with the rankings is hugely important because the ranking is for every single mm. person who's
3: interested in it, right? So um, – it's something. That I don't know. It's something that. I was, sorry, I was to you. I didn't want to interrupt. I was going to say I don't think it necessarily has to be 50-50. No, it doesn't have to be fifty percent winning because at the end of the day, that's not the makeup of a golf course and a golf club anyway. But yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's it's such
2: an, such an important thing. And it's such an important thing that I've had a few discussions around journalism in golf, and I would be we we've been going through a hiring process not long ago and looking for someone to fill that role and. T- turning to someone and saying, I would love that to be a young woman in golf who took on that role. And we struggle to find people who are either interested or think that that's an opportunity. Um, and something like this you know, golf course reviews for women by women hopefully opens up people's eyes that you know there is that opportunity there and encourages more input because it's such a valuable place of input.
0: Mm. I don't think golf is high on the list of career choices or career options for most women, I would imagine. I don't think that's... Misreading that, things. Do is it? they
1: golf generally? Any
0: part do of people the golf know
1: that there's careers in golf?
0: For
2: oh, I mean, like I tell women. As well. I get, well, for anyone, I think yeah, when I tell people, people, what do you do for a work? Oh, I'm a golf journalist. God, how the hell is that a job? Yeah,
0: how's, how's it not? That. How's it not a job? It, these people probably sit down and watch people on YouTube doing makeup reviews, and they think that's a job. Did, did you recently have a piece on this,
1: Emma, on the, in the magazine? On
3: well. Uh, um, it's a very weird one. We literally I had a meeting today with one of the big brands um, and they want to work with us on trying to recruit more women into the business, which is an interesting concept in itself. But we had this whole same discussion is the fact that a lot of women don't see golf or golf industry, whether that be in marketing, IT, you know, finance, HR, whatever it might be. They don't actually see it as a viable career option because... One, maybe they're not a golfer or don't, th- you know, think that you have to have this massive golf knowledge to be able to to be in the industry. Now, obviously, from a journalistic point of view, and I'm certainly not going to put myself in the same canvas, Jimmy, but, um, you know, there is certain roles you will need to have a, some golf, quite a bit of golf knowledge. But a lot of the time, it's actually just that women don't realise that those, as you just said, those, they don't realise it exist. So, I mean, yeah, we do have the regular features now that I run called, I called them Industry Insights just because that's me and I just really enjoy talking to different women in the golf industry. But there's something that Rod likes to talk about a lot is, you no know, golf talking to golf. Obviously, we're a golf mm-hmm. pu- publication talking to golfers. But the hope is that sometimes we'll see things beyond that. Um, but it is, I think it's a massive drive going forward. And obviously, with the Women in Golf Charter from the RNA and that sort of things, is is trying to highlight these massive different roles there are for women and you don't necessarily not that we don't want people to be golfers but you know you don't necessarily have to be a golfer to take up the role but i think then you can come back down to stereotypes where it says if again having this conversation today that a lot of women will look at a job description and go well i've only got you know i haven't got all those qualifications I haven't got all of those qualities so i won't pro- won't bother applying and generally speaking guys tend to go well i've got fifty percent I'll just go for it. And I Hell think women tend <laughs> to not put themselves forward as much. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. They just doubt whether they're gonna be able to do the role. Um I think that's definitely there's definitely a gender difference there. Um but yeah I think it's just it's how do we PR it out out beyond golf? Because again we just do tend to say there's all these great people. But, yeah, as you say, so many different roles you can have in the mm. golf industry. My gut um, feeling is
0: that sport more generally would fall into that category. I would think that mo- most yeah. women don't think about sport as business necessarily. It's something that
1: – And a lot of industries. I, I went yeah, to um, uh, like a movie-making course at one point and one of the messages that the person you had – You continue
0: to <laughs> flux
1: me. <laughs> let's, let's just move Went on to a
0: movie but making I did, I, at
1: one. Like Do you ever work? This was like a long time ago. Anyway, the uh, one of, one of the points that the um, the teacher was saying was that the movie industry needs all all sorts of people. Like it needs project managers, it needs accountants, it needs uh, you know. There, there's just all sorts of roles for people with all sorts of skill sets, and, and
0: that yet, applies to golf as well. And yet, you couldn't find a role. You ended up
1: in golf. <laughs> it was more of a, it was just a, just a passing interest. But the, uh, my sister said to me the other day, I was up seeing my sister and my mum, and my sister said, "Oh, can you imagine? Like when you were ten, your, your, your dream was to work in golf, and you're now doing exactly what you dreamt of. This couldn't have worked out better for you, could it?" And I said to her, "I, I didn't actually dream that. I, I, I had no idea you could work in golf." If you weren't a good golfer. If you weren't a golf yeah. <laughs> and, well, I, well, exactly and Like so. when I was 10, I was like, I'm never going to be able to play this game professionally. So I'd, I'd never had so no any role, aspirations at all to work in golf. Problems. It wasn't something I was,
0: like gradually realized by the time I was maybe you know, 35 or something that it was possible. Imagine if only people who were good at golf were running the industry to be in worse place than it is now. It's but far I, too true of things I as it is. Same. I was
2: the When I left school, I was wanted to play golf for a living. That's all I'd ever thought about doing. And when it turned out, I wasn't... Good enough and I was working in golf shops and I was thinking about or oh, do I go and do uni and find something else to do I don't know that I worked out there was countless jobs in golf and I thought to myself well I could do 10 different
0: jobs in golf for the rest of my life and I had no idea that that was a, that was an option. So it's actually incredibly diverse, right? From sort of greenkeeping and agronomy, right through to retail and hospitality to you know, it being a, be a sales rep. Yeah, it's that's it's exactly be a sales
2: rep right. for anything yeah. from chemicals to grow grass to golf to clubs go- to good. clothing yeah. to you know whatever machinery. It's there are a million different jobs, and I don't, I don't think you have a realization because, again, like Emma mentioned, we talk golf talks to golf, so everyone in the industry knows how the industry works, and people outside it don't, and I think, you know, I spoke to a a, a woman who was a good player, had gone over and played college golf in the States, did a journalism degree, and I spoke to her about what he wanted to do now. Even she didn't really realize that what I do for a living is a, a viable option. And that's someone who's been in golf and trained and to be a journalist, yeah. which, you know, we need to obviously do a better job of telling people that those are options I think sport generally is getting better at it and there's more interest but it, it's golf's probably lagging a little bit as well
0: it's more specialized than most sports too I suppose golf is it? yeah. it's, it's a very it's a very it, it, it no matter where you end up talking about golf it's unique it's you can't compare it to other sports in so many ways because it is just such a different uh, a different sort of a sort of a beast uh Emma what else is on the agenda for 2023 what are you what so for those who don't yet read women and golf, what sort of stuff do you cover? What grabs your interest? I enjoy particularly a lot of your opinion pieces and the stuff that's sort of somewhat more cerebral and thoughtful, but it's not all you do, obviously. What is covering the women's game? What does that mean?
3: Well, it's a bit of everything, to be honest, um because we literally cover obviously being women and golf, we cover absolutely everything, and um so it's from fitness and health and that side of things all the way through to obviously tour. And then club news, um, I, you know, I really enjoy sharing stories about what clubs are doing to encourage more women into golf, um, things like that side of things. Um, the opinion pieces are obviously my favourite, but because the general day job, well, day job, it's all the day job, but because the general sort of stuff to get on the website takes so much time, I don't get to do as many pe- opinion pieces as poss- as I would like to do. Um, but otherwise, this year, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, the L.E.T. growing the LPGA. I just think they're they're really strong, really strong, well offering now that they've got. Um, I will probably get to go to the Women's Open, the AOG Women's Open again, um, and obviously it's Solheim Cup year, so it's obviously going to be very exciting in that respect. Um, Spain this year, so so Solheim of, Cup. Spain. Pardon. Solheim. Yeah, in Spain. Spain. Finca, you, will yeah, you, be you be going? You uh, be going? I hope so. I should be. I should be. I've got my media accreditation uh, request thing. And it's going you, to be submitted tomorrow,
0: so hopefully. Women in golf and good, good golf podcast mm-hmm. correspondent. Is that what you put on the? Yeah, a bit
3: like point? I was at the Women's. That's open, exactly that right. I well, didn't. It? Yeah, it was fabulous. But no, so I think this it, it, we do a bit of everything really um, on the website, and I think that's it. Sort of suits us quite well, but obviously because we're the only UK well women's golf focused um, title in the UK, um, I think we feel the need to cover so much. Um, I really do think that a lot of our readers are much more interested in what's happening at club level, you know, World Handicap System, all that sort of type of things, Um, more so maybe than the tour stuff. But I really enjoy actually covering all the tour. Um, So, yeah, hopefully going to do a bit more of that as well. Well, again, being in charge of a publication,
0: you're never going to make everybody happy, are you? But you have certain responsibilities. And the tour, more broadly, is important to the game and has to be covered, regardless of whether the bulk of your readers might be more interested in something else. So you you have the duty to cover both. Mm. Uh, or all, and you'll always get people say, "Why do you do so much tour stuff? I'm not interested in that." Well, other people are, uh, and it is important. But, so,
3: but I think the funny, the interesting thing is, a lot of women golfers are actually more interested. I think we might have talked about this before. They're probably actually more interested in the men's golf than they are in the women's, and that's where it gets a bit tricky. So, you know, if I was to talk about Rory McIlroy, I get loads more views on our stuff, but I, you know, I'd have to sort of put him down the down the story and, and talk about what's happening in the women's game. Um, I think probably because of visibility, not so much on TV, especially over here in the UK. So that does make a difference. But um, I think that idea that women watch women's golf and men's what wo- men watch men's golf is a bit Ridic- of an old, of course it is old one. So I, yeah, from my point of view, I'd like to see more more coverage of the women's game across the board mm. um, rather than having to be you know tagged on somewhere or just be a controversial story or something like that. So hopefully, that we'll see more of that this year across all publications, not just. Story. The biggest
0: audience for professional golf is men. Yeah. Doesn't matter what professional golf level you talk about, be it the secondary tours in the men's game or women's golf itself, the biggest audience is men.
3: Uh, no question. Mm. About we that. need to get more men watching women's golf, basically, is really yeah. the way it is, and get more women actually watching it as well. But, you know, if we can get more more guys watching it, that would be
0: great. Broadly, I reckon, one thing I do think about golf, was you do hear the extremes, and I think Emma's right about they're the noisiest, but they're the minority. Some people, are oh, women's golf's not worth watching. I don't think that's true. I think most blokes appreciate and watch women's golf for the extraordinary talent levels that mm-hmm. are on display. Mm-hmm. And golfers generally appreciate good golf no matter who plays it. I think that is a that is a truth. And that can come from people who are complete misogynists too in every other way, mm-hmm. but they do have a respect for the the best women players for in the elite, world. elite talent for yeah. elite talent for um, yeah. So there's at least uh,
2: at least on, a positive
0: on the ladies European tour. Mm-hmm. I
2: think this year, one of the one of the things I'm most looking forward to is watching how Momoka Kabori plays on the ladies European tour. After watching her at the Samba Invitational, mm-hmm. with Was her been
0: the
2: Australian? no her brother won the it's Australian not, Amateur. The Australian. Yep, she's a pro. And she's got a card there for the first time, having started like eight weeks before the Sandbelt Invitational with Dom party as a coach, who coaches Lucas Herbert among others, Karis Davidson as well. One of the most impressive displays of okay. ball striking and and management of
3: golf I've seen.
0: Write that down, Emma. He's real talent. He's got not she's, a bad eye.
3: She. Uh, it's coming out next week. You know, rookies to look out for, and she's absolutely up there. Oh, I mean, she's won on the LET So she it's she came yeah, she in one. she won week twice one yeah. or two. Yeah. yeah. But it was like she came. She came over, and literally, like her first event or second event, she won. I was yeah. like, "My goodness, mm-hmm. she's well, a massive talent." Well, she it's she exciting. she lost a playoff to Aaron Pike
2: at Hunter Valley in the me, TPS me event. Did a TPS event in one of the most hilariously physically <laughs> mismatched playoffs you've ever seen. Like she looked like she could sleep in Pikey's shoe. Yeah, <laughs> and she nearly did that. Wins twice in the LET Access, and then goes to work on a golf swing because she'd never had a golf lesson. What? Her old man was the only one who'd ever given her any instruction, wow. and Dom, wow. and like I, I wrote a story with Dom about this this concept and how he's rebuilding and his the way he speaks about her talent and everything like that. It just yeah. Did
0: he wish he'd got hold of her when she was younger,
2: or is there something to be said? No, for because her? she's learned things that you don't. I think, at all. and I think this is maybe unfortunate for Dom that he's becoming pigeonholed as someone who works with unorthodox techniques or entries into high-level golf because of what he's done with Lucas, who's – you'll never find Lucas's golf swing in a textbook, but he's got what her raw talent is and he's working through it, and she's now so willing to learn in such a sponge because she's not had that sort of constant instruction her whole life. I think it's a perfect timing and perfect mix to do it.
0: Yeah, fabulous. That that ties into – that's really important for what you're talking about, Emma, with um – exposure of women's golf you've got to have great stories and narratives and a player can come along maybe it'll be Mamoko kabori maybe it'll be somebody else as lydia Ko did mm. 10 or 12 years ago and that will drive a narrative that, that engages interest beyond the sport when you've got yeah. players doing something special so you always love to hear about a player like that where good analysts who know about the game look and say, that's of a different level. I've seen a lot of good players, but that's next level. There's always the potential there for that. Laura, Where would European women's golf be without Laura Davies 35 years ago? Mm. Wouldn't be where it is today. Wouldn't have disappeared, but that is incredibly important to how it stays in the, the – where would men's golf be without Tiger Woods? You know, great,
3: I think it's definitely fun. going to be a pivotal year. Especially on the LET, so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see. Well, there's an. El- with the, We're elephant not even going to the go there. We're anyone? not going to go there today. There's an elephant with in all the, the room, Saudi isn't investment, there, Emma, that
0: one day we'll talk about <laughs> on the show. But you would think that uh, you would think that the Saudis are going to turn their attention towards women's golf this year mm-hmm. in Saudi. So that's way. that's that, the one, fact. Are. I'm
3: going to can I can I leave you with a with a thing to discuss in in the next few weeks because I think one thing that would be really interesting to look at, um, which I think's been really undervalued, is that in a month's time they're going to be playing the. you know the saudi um international and um the the prize fund is basically major level so you know when the uh, the week after the or the week of the new yorker article coming out about you know live golf making their own majors and stuff and everyone absolutely crazy um a week after that he announced this you know equal prize fund which is great but it's five million and and five million dollars is is nearly pretty much major level for women's golf um but it doesn't doesn't say anything, and they t- you know you talk about Saudis making their own majors. Is that is that is that their well, starting well, here's point for women's golf? They can't sport. they
0: can't do it in men's golf, can they? Because there's no. the history of working. Yeah. But but women's
3: golf administrators themselves you, had you definitely. That you I can definitely do want to hear it golf. discussed yeah. in future pods, yeah. on especially when it comes to you know the the actual landscape of what players will be yeah. playing there, and the LPGA like the number of LPGA players will be playing. Like it's it's going to be a massively good field because of the prize fund. Um, so, it sort of elevates the LET, but also dumbs down a little bit from the point of view of the, the players aren't going to get the opportunity to play there because it's going to be a drawing how many of the top top world players there, which is great. Um, but I don't know. I'm, well, I don't know. I'm suspicious. These are the I'm challenges.
0: Suspicious just because- of course, but these are the challenges of success, aren't they, Emma? So, the LPGA is now in a position where the top players make enough money that they can pick and choose. Golf's kind of at its best when the players are hungry and constantly hungry. <laughs> yep. That stopped happening in men's golf a long time ago, and that's not great for the game more. It's great for the players, mm. and we're starting to see the same thing in women's golf. So there's an awful lot of players aren't at the first event of the – The winner's event on the LPGA this week, they've opted out of that. I mean, that's a 30-player field with a $1.5 million purse. I think you get fined if you don't play. They
2: have been fined this week, yeah, Uh, if they haven't shown up. That's exactly
0: right. And that has not been enough to incentivise them to go and play. So you're starting to see the same thing in women's golf that we've been seeing in men's golf for a long time, which has kind of been to the detriment of what happened Mm -hmm. to Australian golf. Players don't need the money. They won't go chasing it. So – Money is partly an answer for professional golf, but it's not necessarily the right answer for all of the questions. So I think women's golf in that sense is more vulnerable. Once you've got players of a certain level of success, they get a taste, they feel they deserve more, you start to get entitlement. And if somebody's offering heaps more, you assume that that's where you should be going because that's what you're worth. I I wish it wasn't
1: all about the money because once the money isn't the issue anymore, then it should be about the titles. But then- the trend for almost all professional golf is that the titles are all homogenized into this in undis- uh, like undistinguishable. Week to week, you mass. mean? Or the majors? The, and then the majors are now the only thing we've got
0: left, where the title is paramount. And but they have the biggest purses. You play. So if that changed, does the importance of the title change?
1: Yeah. Well, like, as you
0: say, in, and it when has happened, op- happened there's Recent precedent to show right. that that is. You can possibly. just ordain something a major yep. based on the purse. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. Oh, well, that's a major now. We just added one to the schedule. Yep. And here we are 10 years later, I think we all accept. I think it's it the one good. that pays the less, least. Now, now it wasn't first. at the time. Yep. At the time, I think it was only second to the US Women's We're talking about the Evian. First. Yeah, the Evian, indeed. So. Oh. Uh, well, you've thrown that little hand grenade in nice and late. Yep. Thanks for that, Emma. We appreciate that. A couple of weeks of content to be going on with there. <laughs> Some interesting sort of stuff. I got the sense you didn't really want to comment on that. You just wanted to hear other people get in trouble commenting on it. Am I right about that?
3: No, no. I... I <laughs> I have my views on it. I think I'd. I think i probably write something on it, yeah. but um, just Be haven't got around to it. I just, it just that it just gets me. So it just gets from a women's golf perspective at the pro level. It just makes me just so frustrated that we have so much chat about what's happening. You know, majors this. You know, Saudis buying majors, and then literally a week later, something else happens, and it's like tumbleweed. And you're like, not only is it equal prize money, which is if you let's take the Saudis out of it, that's absolutely fantastic. But the actual sheer fa- you felt know, the value of that. You no, know, no one's no one's sort of saying anything. it's like one of the biggest. It's the biggest prize fund, and then you know, obviously, when the LET then announces its prize fund for the year, it looks absolutely phenomenal because there's an extra five million in there. Um, but actually, it's all sort of well, a smoke and mirrors. It's all sort of a bit. You know, is is it as good as it looks? You know, um, I don't know. I just I just feel it's one of those ones that needs debating. But because it's a women's golf thing, it's well, you know, we'll just let it play by and we probably won't even cover the Saudi. You know, not everyone Don't, will cover it. So yeah. it doesn't really matter sort of thing. And it's just so weird because it's almost going under the radar. Um, and doesn't, that's why I did that piece last year about, about Live way. Golf and the Aramco team series because I thought it needed to be done. Because no one else was talking about it, you've
0: scratched the hypocrisy scab now, mm-hmm. Emma, mm-hmm. And that's going to, <laughs> that's going to bleed for a very long time. So thank you for that, greatly appreciated, Emma. It's been good of you to take some time. We appreciate it. I know it's late in the evening there, so very kind of you to do that. And I noticed that you were drinking tea the whole way through, and not wine. So we probably didn't get the she best claims. of you, but she claimed we, we still, well, you certainly tea. had a tea can't cup. See inside that. That's right. That that cup, was, so. It's like those those yeah. late night talk shows. It's a coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean it's got coffee in it. But we appreciate you taking the time. Looking forward to chatting again uh, as the year unfolds. Thank you. Thank you. Jimmy, good to have you aboard. Thank you, mate. Thank you. What a way to start the year. What a way to start the year. Logue.
1: Indeed, I, I rate this podcast three <laughs> and a half microphones out of five. Only three and a half? See how I did that? Only three and a half? Well, I wanted to put a half in there. To be the, fair, is it one, four and a half. W- once, ag- once again, put, viewers judge, you go to iTunes and you pick how many half microphones. <laughs> you're going to rate this podcast. Please I, prob- rate,
2: rate and review. Probably fair because once again, like you and you might not have been at your best today. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> Why don't you have instead of three and a half microphones, you only have a half microphone scale. So it's seven and a exactly. half microphones. Yeah. So yeah. not three and a half. That's a good idea. Mate. So cool. that's infuriating. Yeah. Uh, good to have you aboard apart from that last bit. Thank you. Thank you. That's episode, he's forgotten again. 130, I looked it up again. Well done. We will be back, of course, to do it all again next week here on the Good Good Golf Podcast.